In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing unarmed defense and control. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Wrestling with Danger. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This one is Genesis 19, verse 16, and it reads like this. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So this is the story of Lot, right? He's He's hanging out way too long in the in Sodom and Gomorrah. God's getting ready to nuke it from the sky, from heaven. And uh, and the angels, these men, were angels that grabbed hold of Lot's family because of their stalling and drug them out of the city real fast. And so what I like about the, this in particular story is this. It's number one, it's God showing mercy to Lot and his family. But also for us, a lot of times... If we have to put our hands on somebody, it is, in a sense, a type of mercy. We're preventing not only them harming other people, a part of our congregation, but we're also kind of protecting them from committing a greater crime or we're you know, preventing them from us having to use a higher level of force on them. We're using, as we've always discussed, the least amount of force necessary to handle the situation. Um, and so sometimes the most merciful thing you can do is put your hands on somebody and you know drag them out by their ankles or sometimes even striking, kicking in order to prevent their attack against another person or against you from really escalating beyond that physical, less lethal force. So let's jump into the news. Um, we have several stories here about, about those hands-on situations, and some of them are when they were presented with deadly force. And so we'll talk about that. So the first one is Dangerfield, Texas, uh, June 22, 1980. A former school teacher dressed in combat gear, carrying two pistols and a rifle, burst into a sanctuary of the First Baptist Church and shouted, This is war. Um, he began firing at people. One usher tackled the shooter, knocking the rifle loose. Two others rushed him, carrying him out through the door, while the, um, the shooter then pulled a 38 and at point-blank range shot one of the ushers in the belly, killing him. And then, of course, then the attacker fled. So the, the takeaway from this story, at least the takeaway I get from is this is going hands-on is extremely dangerous. It is extremely dangerous, and we're not going to sugarcoat that at all. Especially in this case, he's already shooting people. He showed a willingness to kill people. You know, they're, they're in a mindset. And, this, you know, you're bringing, in a sense, you know, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. In this case, you're bringing your hands to a gunfight. And it's extremely dangerous, even if there wasn't the presence of firearms. Engaging somebody physical is highly dangerous. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand, evaluate the situation the best we can. Their, their size, their gender versus our size, our gender, 
um, what their skills might be, what your skills might be, and, and some things you just never know. And so realize that if you get to the point where you got to go hands-on with somebody, hopefully it's because you have to go hands-on with them. Also, too, the importance of backup, you know, have police been called, all those kind of things. Just once again, it's, it's highly dangerous and we need to be prepared for it. All right, the next one, Antioch, Tennessee, September 24th, 2017. When a masked man uh, firing a handgun came into the church after killing a member in the parking lot, the usher rushed him, grabbed the hand um, with uh, grabbed the hand with uh, with the weapon, and the shooter went down and was wounded by his own gun. So it does work, though. <laughs> so even though the first one, you know, highly dangerous, they're all highly dangerous. Sometimes it works, and that's why it's part of our use of force continuum. There are going to be situations, even when they do present deadly force, that you might be able to take them down safely and get things under control. And so it's still a very important skill. Highly dangerous, but it can also be highly effective. Next one, Boston, Massachusetts, October 11, 2022. A 91-year-old woman was attacked by a knife-wielding assailant while walking her dog in a park. Having been trained in self-defense, she fought the attacker and he ran away. What I love about this story, even though it's not church-related, is 91-year-old woman attacked by a knife-wielding assailant. And because she had some training in self-defense, she was able to create enough resistance, fight him off well enough, where they ran. So I think a lot of times we think that we're a lot older than we really are or we're a lot more frail than we really are. Um, you know you know yourself better than I do, but my point is this. If push comes to shove and you're attacked and all you have is your ability, you know, physical ability to fight back, now it would have been better if she had a gun, but my, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, is don't put limitations on yourself. Don't put mental blocks in your head saying that you could never ever go hands-on with somebody. Yes, you can. I was in a meeting not too long ago, or was it one of my classes? I forget. I have a bad memory. But anyway, we we're talking about you know what we wanted to see in the cream of the crop of our safety teams. And part of that was an ability to use physical force, that less lethal, hands-on kind of stuff. And somebody made the comment says, you know, it's you know, we're going to have to start recruiting a lot of younger people or, you know, we need to get Chris on the team, you know, those kind of comments and some of it's joking around, but it's kind of serious too. Um, but don't limit yourself. Don't say, well, this is for the young and it's not for me. No, it's for you too. There's a lot you can learn. There's a lot that you can accomplish. 91-year-old woman fighting off a knife-wielding um, assailant. You can do something. She did. So you can do something too. All right, next story. Um, Parrington, I'm probably saying that, Parrington, uh, New York, uh, July 21st, 2022. A candidate, once again, not a church story, but still applies, was attacked on stage at a campaign event by a man wielding a knife. The candidate, who held a martial arts black belt, stopped the attack holding the assailant's uh, wrist and arm. So one of the things that I'm going to be advising you to um, get in your hands-on training is learning certain wrist locks, arm bars, you know, those kind of things 
in or and really quite frankly is as your skill builds you you could actually get very good at these things now this doesn't necessarily i'm not necessarily telling you to sign up for you know a krav maga class at the local ymca but you could and that would be great but still you can still develop these skills and as time goes on you're going to become more and more confident in them. And if you have to use them, you're going to be able to use them effectively. So training does matter. The more, the better, of course. All right. The final one, and this is kind of a sad story that we're all aware of, is this. Um, maybe I'm going to do a disclaimer first. We're not blaming victims here, okay? Um, I think, and I've said this before, the best way to honor people that have died in situations and horrible horrible situations is to examine what happened and try to learn from that and as we learn you know we're we're potentially saving lives our own and others and so i think it's the best way to honor the fallen so all right here we go and a lot of you guys are going to be familiar with this white settlement texas december 29 2019 a man wearing a wig, a fake mustache and beard, and a long coat stood up during a communion at the church service. He approached and spoke to a communion server, um, pulled a short shotgun out from his coat. Um, the security member sitting nearby stood up, reached for his handgun, and the man with the shotgun turned and fatally shot him, then shot the server before being downed by another um, security team member. Here's the deal. Now hindsight's 2020, and would have, could have, and should have. You know, we we don't know exactly how things would have played out. However, here's something that we have to consider. This um, this security guy that was trying to pull out his weapon when he was shot. There's more to that story. Number one, he never used that holster before. He never had that holster in the place it was before, so he wasn't trained on drawing. But even if he was, we all know that action is faster than reaction. And so even if it was a familiar holster, he was not going to be able to beat somebody who is already has the shotgun out pointing in his general direction. You're just not that fast. Um, there, there might be one or two people in the world that were that fast. I remember seeing a video. This guy was amazing. But anyway, for most of us, the vast majority of us, we're just not going to clear leather. We're not going to clear our holsters fast enough. And so if we're within striking distance, meaning physical distance to engage them, then we need to do that. So in this case, if that security guard would have rushed him instead of went for his gun, now fighting over a shotgun or a rifle or anything like that is fairly, it's very controllable. I mean, you get a hold of the end of that barrel, you can really get into this struggle. And it's very, I mean, it becomes, my point is, is that kind of engagement um, is, can be effective and possibly life-saving. And of course, because of what it transpired in that church that day, we know that a bunch of other people certainly would have jumped in very quickly. So if this guy would have, if the security guy would have just attacked, physically attacked the attacker, there would have been a hog pile within seconds, right? The whole video is six seconds long, or the, you know, the activity from the first shot to the 
to the last shot. Um, so people were ready to respond. And it could have been a hog pile and controlled them. And so the reason this is so important for us to talk about is that we have to, and if, if we think we're going to be do that, we have to train to do that, right? We have to train to put our hands on people. We have to train to punch, kick, strike. We have to train to, you know, tackle somebody, do a takedown or hog pile, you know, do a hog pile on them and get control of them in the safest possible manner. We have to have that training. Um, you've probably heard this saying before that um, if you train, if you'll, if if you train to be a hammer, everything will look like a nail. And that is to say, if you train only in using your firearm, then everything's going to look like a deadly force situation. You have to have these uh, this other training, this less lethal, these armed, unarmed, uh, you know, control techniques, um, defense stuff, because that becomes another tool in your toolbox. And now you're evaluating. That's why our training that we have, shameless plug here, you know, it starts with, it starts with verbal de-escalation. We cover that. We talk about basic use of force. We talk about less than lethal. We talk about these unarmed self-defense techniques because we want as many tools in our toolbox as possible. All right, before we continue, um, just I just want to remind you, share this video with your team. Share it with staff, volunteers, anyone, I, I would say primarily with your team. And uh, have some discussions about this. Get the free download that comes with this. Go through it. It's got talking points to it. It'll refresh this whole program in your mind. And then engage them. This is part of training. I hope, you, I, hope, I hope that you understand that. The whole point of these videos, the whole point of that download is that every week you can have training. Every week you're having conversations. And that keeps people smart, you know, sharp. It keeps them thinking about different types of scenarios and how they might respond and how the team might respond. It's training. It's also mental rehearsal, right? And that's an important part of our training. It's kind of those what ifs and then thinking through, well, if this happened, this is how we could respond. So by all means, do that. All right. Now, what I want to get into is this, is I want to get super practical really, really fast. And that's this. It, the only way to do this is to have training. And for a lot of us, that might mean that we have to find an outside instructor. Some of us have inside instructors who have martial arts training or some sort of self-defense training. That's great. Um, but we have to find somebody who's going to give this kind of training. Now, if you're finding a local instructor who doesn't go to your church, is not part of your congregation, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be very, very clear with them. And this really applies to anyone, even if they're part of your church. Be very, very clear with them what you want. Because if you don't do that, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to see the, you know, they're going to come in and give you like the first lesson they've given a million times to new people, to new trainees. And that's not what you want. You want something more specific than that. Also, too, some might even try to come in and actually do more of a demonstration for you in order to try to get you to be, all become students. That's not what you want either. What you want is super practical training on how to deal with a, a violent intruder. And so I have a list here. And so um, later, if you, you might need to get a sheet of paper and listen to this section again or whatever. But this is... 
These are the things that you need to ask for. Like I said, be very specific. The first thing is this, is we want some time, a small time, but some time um, that we focus on strikes. Now, you and I both know you can't go through one training event and all of a sudden you're this ninja or this expert boxer or all that kind of stuff. It's not going to happen. The primary reason why we're going to do some palm strikes, some elbow strikes, knee strikes, some kicks and stuff like that with our teams is what we're trying to do. And I've used this term before, or this phrase before, we're breaking the seal. And what I mean by that is this, is some people on your team may have never, ever, ever in their life hit anyone. And so they don't know what it feels like to do a palm strike or use their elbows and knees and their feet to, to fight. And so punching a bag and doing some of that kind of stuff kind of breaks the seal for them. So they get used to the idea and starts getting into their head that they can do these things even though they've never done them before. Or for some people too, it's been such a long time that they they need to get it back in their head, right? You, you don't use it, you, you lose it. So we're breaking the seal. The next thing is, this is a really a great way to warm up. And... It, you know, it doesn't have to be super intense, but everyone's doing their, uh, working at their own level. But it warms up our muscles a little bit. It warms up our minds and our sharpness a little bit, and it gets us moving. The next thing we need to focus on, so that strikes. The next thing is blocks. We have to get used to blocking, you know, their punches and their kicks coming in at us. Once again, I'm not trying to make my team, you know, ninjas. But I want them to get used to that they can defend themselves. Now, for a lot of us, you have a natural instinct. If somebody starts, you know, throwing a punch at you, your instinct is going to be ducking, getting out of the way, maybe throwing up your arms. And all we're trying to do is we're trying to focus that a little bit and give you some direction in doing that. Um, one of the tricks that I really like is this, is using, when you do this training, if you for you that have trained, um, you know, you start out slow and you're doing blocks and all that kind of stuff. And then it starts speeding up. And after a while, especially once you start getting fast, your forearms are just aching. Their forearms are hurting. Your forearms are hurting. Now you're switching positions to do it the other way around and you're already in pain. And we're just not getting um, the best training out of that. And we don't need to send our team home with black and blue arms um, so one of the things that you can do is this, is you can buy those pool toys. The only, the only way I know them is pool noodles. They're basically foam noodles about that diameter and they can be like six feet long. If you take one of those pool noodles and you cut it up into about two foot sections, you can swing those at each other. So one person who's the, playing the bad guy grabs a couple of those pool noodle sections and you swing them at the person that's practicing blocking. And what's good about that is you could get hit about a billion times in the arm with those pool noodles and it's not going to hurt you. And you can actually go quite fast, you know, as they're getting better and better at blocks, you can really speed up how fast you're coming in to be about as realistic as you get on how fast a real punch would come in. And it's just a great way to train and not get anyone hurt. But once again, we're not trying to make ninjas here. We're just trying to break that seal and get them focus that, focus that natural response. The next thing that they need to cover, and some of them aren't going to be able to do this, 
but you want to cover the interview stands. So hopefully you got law enforcement on your team. Maybe you have somebody that knows what they're talking about. But learning how to use that interview stance and learn how to defend yourself from attack from that stance. And you'll see how well it works, how effective it can be, um, and, it's, and uh, how it's better than just standing square or standing like a normal person in front of another person. That interview stance is more defensible and we need to get people used to using that stance and then how they can defend themselves in that stance. The next thing is we want to talk, we want them to teach us about escorts. Now, there's soft and hard escorts. And what I mean by that is this, is some people, you know, obviously if you don't have to put your hands on them and you're guiding them out, that's great. But if they're more resistant to that, we call it passive resisting, sometimes you have to put your hands on them. And once you put your hands on them, then they start moving and they start cooperating with you. And it's a soft escort. But that escort needs to be able to turn into a hard escort if they start getting aggressive and they're starting to fight back and that kind of stuff. So we have to know how to do some joint lock, some pain compliance type um, things in order to get them out. And we really, too, we need to be training on one and two person escorts. So if you have to do it alone, you can do it alone. You can... Go to a soft escort if that's what's needed. And if things elevate, escalate, you can then go into a hard escort where it's more like you're dragging them out by their ankles, so to speak. And so we want to cover escorts. The next thing that goes with escorts is takedowns. Um, the idea behind learning these takedowns, you know, with the escort, how you're holding them basically facilitates certain kind of takedowns. And so we want that growth. So you can kind of see how this kind of grows along. First, you're doing soft escorts. It elevates to a harder escort. And it elevates to now you have to take them down to the ground in order to maintain control and prevent them from harming anyone. Or at least reducing the risk of them harming anyone. So doing those escorts, doing those takedowns that already work with how you're holding them for a hard escort. And then finally, the last thing is, and we kind of already hinted to this, is the dog pile, right? I don't know what else to call it. That's basically when, in the case of White Settlement, if he would have jumped on him, the next person jumps on next, next, next. And what we do in law enforcement is everybody owns a limb. And so you have one person on the left arm, one person on the right arm, one person on the left leg, another person on the right leg. And so you can see how we're totally controlling them. Now, we're not sitting on their chest. We're not twisting their head or nothing like that. We're simply controlling their limbs. And so for the most part, they should still be able to breathe well. Um, and they should be able but not be able to move any of their limbs to fight back and just stay away from their teeth because they bite too. But I hope that kind of helps you. That's what you're asking for. Get that instructor. Let's talk about strikes to break the seal, to warm up. Let's do some blocks with pool noodles so we can actually do it without hurting each other and we can still do it at full speed. Let's learn the, the interview stance and how we can defend ourselves in that position. Um, then we want to do escorts, starting with soft escorts that can lead to a hard escort which is, you know, maybe wrist locks, 
and uh, you know that kind of stuff, uh, pain compliance type um, approaches. And then we want to learn takedowns from that position, how we can take them down, one or two people, and then ultimately um, the dog pile. This training, if you kind of break this up, depending on how, how much time you spend on stuff, you could easily have a very informative, very effective three-hour seminar. And everybody on your team is going to leave there with a higher level of confidence in their physical ability and learn some skills that they can actually apply. And um, when they see it, they know what their part is and jumping in on the dog pile, all that good stuff. And it's going to go a long way. Now, once again, you're not ninjas, but it's going to help you. It's going to help your team. So I hope you do that. Other than that, time for the shameless plug for training. One of the most popular ways for people to do our uh, safety certification is where they train on their own time and own computer. And I know we don't talk about that enough. That's why I kind of want to bring it up now. Is you realize that it doesn't matter. Once you have your student account set up, you can train whenever. So it doesn't matter the day. It doesn't matter the time. You can train. And probably about 75% of my students actually train that way. And so just keep that in mind. This is something that you and your team can accomplish and get this done. Get that baseline understanding, that foundational stuff. And then when you're building on that, so example with this, we talk about where this kind of force is appropriate to use in our training. So now you don't have to waste any time on your seminar to talk about use of force and when it's appropriate and not appropriate. We will have already done that for you. Now you can just focus on developing those skills, those physical skills that you need. So by all means, check that out. I think you're going to like it. Other than that, you know, thank you so much for being here today. You know, if you like this video, like, share, comment. You know, let's, let's talk about this. I know some of you are highly skilled. You probably have a lot of your own ideas of what's important to train your team. Um, I think in the, I think martial arts people, you know, Krav Maga, MMA fighters, all that kind of stuff, boxers, uh, are, are very similar to firearms people. We'd like to see everybody trained to a high level. Absolutely, I 100% agree. Um, but oftentimes we have to decide what can we actually do with our team. You know, how much training? And so maybe you do this once a year, maybe you do it twice a year, maybe you do it every, you know, four times a year, whatever. You start to expand how often you do that and you're going to keep, as you keep practicing these things, same things over and over again, it becomes second nature. And so it's very easy and your team will get really good at it. So by all means, let's talk about it. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us today. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.